what on my plate on this list is going to grow this business? Hmm. Every single day, what on my list is going to grow this business? I'm gonna start there. Because if that goes to the bottom every single day, we're not going anywhere. interesting setup because I'm usually like like sideways with the person so I, li- I like that I have two people now so I appreciate you guys both for hopping on the podcast you're welcome yeah, yeah. this is gonna be pretty easy conversational so just you know got some cups of water and nice view and just that relaxing so let's get started I want each one of you guys to uh, introduce yourself name position the company and what you guys are doing and then we'll move forward from there so who wants to go first you tell me. You're brave having both of us on. You never know how this is going to go. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's never what keeps know. it interesting. That's right. Yeah. So why don't you go first? All right. Krista McAllister. I am co-owner of Sirius and functionally play the president role. Uh, been in this business. We bought, bought it from shareholders about eight years ago. Prior to that, I was in the retail industry for a little over 15 years. Okay. And... Now I get to work with amazing executives and clients and everything's different. You think that most business is the same. Every business has the same makeup. There's an org chart. They sell products and services. They have employees. I will tell you no two businesses are alike. Oh yeah, no. We were just talking about that off camera, how every business has a different structure to it, yeah. And a different story and a different path. Yep, well that's cool. So what about you? Okay, so Pam Wasley, and yes, I play the role of CEO. Okay. Uh, but we really, we really run the company together. I mean, we really are co-owners. And the, the cool thing about our relationship, though, is Kristen likes to do all the stuff that I hate to do. <laughs> and I like to do all the stuff that she doesn't really like to do. So it's a perfect match. Hey, that works. <laughs> so she's the operations and the processes and the finance and all that stuff. And I get to, you know, be, you know, out there, the vision and the strategy and the, you know, the sales and, you know, she does a lot of the marketing, but I'm also involved in marketing. So it's 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 just cool. It's it's a great relationship. So it's a great setup and we work well together. That's good. That's good. So when did you guys start working together? Like officially, we actually first started working so, together on a nonprofit board. Oh, yeah, that's we true. We were part of Orange County Head Start. We sat on a board together. We got to know each other. I will tell you, you want to find out someone's character and their ethics? Sit on a nonprofit board and see how they handle situations where they're not getting paid. Huh. It's simply you're volunteering. Yeah, and and, and it was really interesting because she was uh, head of finance or the treasurer of this nonprofit and we were going through an audit and I was the chairman of the board. So again, like she said, we went through a lot on that board. I mean, it was just like being on a regular board of directors for, mm-hmm. for a for-profit company, but we really worked. I mean, it was just- We got we to just, know each other. Yeah, we just worked really well together. And how did the decision to become partners come to life? Uh, we dated. We dated <laughs> long before we got married. There was quite a bit of dating going on. I was, we had been talking after the board meetings, we'd go out to the parking lot and we'd talk and she'd tell me about all these interim executive assignments and what interims are doing. And I was a consultant at the time. And I thought, that makes a lot more sense. 
I, all I'm doing right now is helping people figure out what's wrong and then figure out how to do it better. But they don't know how, they don't know how to actually do it better. They don't have the discipline. Being an interim executive inside of a company makes a lot more sense. And I ended up moving at the time. I was only going to be gone for a year. So I approached Pam and said, you don't have anyone selling for you in DC. Why don't I do business development there for a year? Hmm. So we started working more on an ad hoc contractual basis as I did business development in DC. No, I'd never done business development before in my life. And you just choose really I good at loved it. the concept. Yeah. I yeah. loved, absolutely loved it. And it's easy I, to sell. Yeah. Yeah. When someone knows it exists. Yes. <laughs> when someone knows yes. it's a thing. Yes. You ever sold a product where people doesn't know don't know it exists? I mean that's a fun one. We're, we're currently selling a product that people don't think is uh, valuable, so that's a that's a whole other story to talk about. But yeah. We'll get to that. Been we'll there. interview you next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's cool. So when it came to you creating that decision to bringing her on, what made you say like, yeah, I like this, like I mean, she's never done business development before, so what, what was the spark in her that made you um, feel comfortable? Well, you know, when you meet somebody that is ethical and has the same values as you are as you do, and you just feel that that person's right, no matter what they would do, they would put their heart into it. And that's how I felt about Kristen. And so she proved, she proved me right. She went to Washington, D.C. and kicked it. I mean, it was just awesome. It wasn't because I was free at the time? <laughs> <laughs> that's cool that's cool so you guys know <laughs> an answer to your question <laughs> so you guys spread so you first started so serum executives first started where exactly what's what's the let's let's get into the company's history okay so it started back in 2005 we started mm -hmm. as a consulting firm actually mm -hmm. um the problem with that is it just really you know it, it just wasn't really going anywhere so in 2008 we changed the model to this interim executive management model and we started with just a division of the total company and it outdid the rest of the company. So we thought, wow, we're onto something here with the interim management. Hmm. So that's kind of where it took off. But it wasn't really until 2011 when Chris and I bought the company out from the shareholders that it really took off. You founded the company though, you were saying. I did, I was one of seven founders. Sorry. Seven founders. <laughs> yes. How do you guys manage with seven people? That's my uh, point exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I can't, I Why can't we even. bought the company? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like I was, I was talking to uh, my partner recently, and I told him one isn't enough in my opinion. Two is perfect. Three and above is just too much. Seven. Yes. How does a company even run with seven people? Yeah. Well, yeah. you appoint the CEO the, to begin with. You there, have, there must have been a lot yeah. of political ups and downs, though. Well, well, you know, I'm I'm not we're, even we're sure. On, we're on camera and on record, Pam. I'm not even <laughs> careful. I'm not even sure how I became CEO. I, I think as everybody was talking about, well, who's going to run this company? I think everybody stepped back, and I was still standing there. Okay. So I think that's how I became CEO. Okay, so you volunteered for tribute, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. kind of. Yeah. So, <laughs> I just what just doing the, I just finished doing a website, you know, that that they were they wanted to do for this company that we wanted to put together, and they went, "Oh, you did such a good job there. You're going to become the CEO." Like, Yo. Okay. <laughs> I guess I'll take it. That and Pam's a natural attractor. She naturally she will say she's not a salesperson, and she's not. She. Yeah loves to help companies and advise and just by her nature she attracted clients because she'd mm -hmm. help them figure out what do you really need let's talk it through not just okay what are going to be the billable hours 
Okay, so you're getting them like... a solution. And so I think you were probably bringing in, you were the natural choice to, to help attract <laughs> Yeah, so I was bringing in most of the business. <laughs> yeah. That's that's very that's yeah. very intriguing. So yeah. talk to me about your guys' like uh, sales process since it's like an interesting model. How does somebody go about getting a interim executive? You mean from the client side? From the client side and from your side, like why, like how, like because I know she said like you always walk in, figure out their solution before you pitch anything. So yeah. how how when it first started, when you first um, you brought up how you guys have trouble selling something that people didn't even know yes. existed. Yeah. yeah, it was an education when we first began. Okay, I mean unless unless we you know, went out to them and proposed a new solution for them rather than hiring a full-time person, uh, they, they didn't even know we existed. There was only one other competitor at the time and they were in finance and a little bit in IT. So they hired out interim CFOs, interim controllers, and a little bit of interim CIOs. So you're telling me this business model was back then pretty much didn't exist. Except in Europe, that's where I stole the idea from. Yeah. It's been there ah. for like 65 years. Seems like a very obvious thing to to do. That's interesting. Exactly. Yeah. Well, exactly. And the, the downturn, the economic downturn made a big difference because as a business owner, I need to keep my lower my overhead low. I really don't want to own the employee anymore, especially at what the C-suite costs. Mm -hmm. Let me just rent them for what I need or just on a part-time basis. So no can you? So do you guys like rent them out for like a specific period of time too? Is that? Yeah, it could be two months, could be five months, could be twelve months, or it could be two days a week or three days a week. Huh. So yeah. That's very interesting. Okay. Depends on what the business. It's more of what does the business need. Uh huh. And most executives who are working independently love the flexibility as well. They like to be, most CEOs go, what do you mean a CEO or an executive can just step into my company and help me out and then leave and not want to embed themselves? Like, most of them don't want to stay. They want to help solve the problem, embed their, their skill sets, and help people be successful without them, and then move on to the next challenge. I heard that. I heard that a lot of executives, like there's a huge turnover rate with executives. Yes. Yeah, so that's the, um, you know, I'm still learning a lot about the high level uh, C-suite and mm -hmm. I heard that recently that there's a humongous turnover when it comes yep. to stuff and like that. And most of it's because they're quitting. Yeah. It's not because the company's firing them. Yes, that goes on too, but people are quitting because they're like, okay, I'm going to go find something else I like. And the market is open. It is it is a candidate's market right now. It's not the Yeah, the market right now is at an all-time high, so it's, yes. it's doing really, really well. Yeah. So when it comes to, let's go back to the question of uh, providing the solution for a company that doesn't even know you guys exist. <laughs> um, interesting question that comes to my mind, I'm sure you've been asked before, is how do you know this executive is gonna know exactly what's good for our company uh, to help us scale? So how do you guys help provide that solution before you recommend the person or before you pitch the pitch? Oh, we vet our executives extremely well. I mean, we background check, we reference check, then we check their ref, their resume to make sure that what they say they can do, they can really do. We also do a, an assessment on them that, that um, shows their leadership skills, um, their cultural skills, I mean, so that we fit the right person in with, especially the CEO, whoever they're working with, mm -hmm. uh, especially that fit's gotta be just right. Mm -hmm. Some of it's skill sets, but we found early on, we actually did some benchmarking of having some term, some turnover as well. When we first started, two interim executives went into the same company. One was successful, one wasn't, and they right. had almost the exact same resume. 
The yep. one that was successful is because he had similar work style and complimented the CEO. Right. Wow. And it was that work style match and that personality match and them being able to work together is what made it so successful and helped the company move forward. Huh. It matters much more than most think and you just we have to get to know the company to do so that. So what's what's like the biggest thing you guys have learned doing this from a leadership standpoint that, that I guess uh, blew your guys' mind away in a sense of like was it psychological, behavioral? Well, like, what, what about an executive makes them so successful? Is there like one thing you guys can pinpoint out of the many, many different things? One thing that makes them successful? Um, like, yeah, I can think of a couple actually. Uh, adaptability, adaptability. That if they come. can, I that mean, that's, uh, that's almost the number one yeah. because if they can adapt themselves to the culture, the leadership style, the staff, the, the way, they work, but yet still help them improve, that's the match you want. Hmm. And that's the match that we're seeing in a lot of our executives today. So it's like the ones that we hire. Kind of like be like water, wherever you are, you you flow through. Yes. Yes. That's intriguing, okay. Even if you're trying to affect change in the organization, you've got to start with where they're at. You can't be on the other side of the the chasm saying, no, really, jump over here, it's safe. (laughs) I promise, I'll catch you. You got to be on the other side jumping with them first. Yeah, so I was just in a meeting, like I said, told you earlier today, and um, with a bunch of CEOs, and we had a speaker in there talking about, you know, everybody knows EQ and, and IQ, and they know all that, but those two are not as important as this adaptability quotient. And so now there are tests, and there are other things that are coming out that really test that, because that's the sign of somebody that's gonna be successful. Isn't, so wouldn't you say adaptability is, more of a higher EQ though? It could be. I mean, like it doesn't somebody who have has to high be. emotional intelligence is able to adapt. Yes, you would think that, but I'm not, again, I, I'm not a statistician, so I don't really know sure. what the stats are there, but it uh, makes sense, but I'm not sure in every case that's true. Okay, I see. So how do you guys test someone's adaptability? Is there a process that you guys have, or is that still being figured out throughout different companies? Well, we use, um, we use PI, we use predictive index for all our people to go through. And then we have another assessment tool that the client takes. And literally it just comes in and matches the top five executives to, to, that, to the assessment and to what the, the, the PI that the executive's taken so that we can really make sure that they get the best match of what the client's looking for as well as their leadership style and the culture. Yeah, we've also had a number of interpersonal interactions with the executive at yeah. that point, just from applying into our system, random phone calls we do with them. They interview with a number of individuals in our company before we're presenting them to the client. And with all of those interactions, you get an idea of how adaptable, how flexible. Oh, yes. Is it their way or the, high, or the highway, or are they able to adapt with our system and our process? Mm-hmm. If you can't follow our system, our process, how are you gonna adapt inside of the company, of the client? So we have been able to spot that a number of times just by setting up our process. So Adam, you can imagine, and we talk to thousands yeah. of executives every year. For sure. No, and I'm, 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 yeah, sometimes yeah. we meet them in person and sometimes we just talk to them over the phone. But we, you know, obviously we always want to make sure that we, we, we find out kind of who they are when we, they first apply. It's amazing. Not only do, can we do this, but our salespeople can do it like instantaneously. Within the first couple minutes. They know. 
at you this know. time. Yeah. You know, that conversation doesn't go on very yeah. long because they know. They yeah. know exactly the questions to ask. They know the responses that they should be getting or, um, you know, what should be coming from the other end of the phone or the other, you know, from across from them. They just know instantaneously because we've been doing this for so long now. You know, it would be interesting to see a company like yours do in the future. Like, I'm thinking like more of like a, a leadership training in a sense of like from all your guys' experience that you have, like getting young leaders like me or in a sense like people who are trying to really pick it up in an industry and taking them from, I know it's a completely different business model, but like I like it's just like the idea just came to my mind. I'm like, that'd be pretty cool because it would make sense, you know? Can Adam come to our strategic plan next month? <laughs> You're invited, Adam. <laughs> I would love to because it's like, it's interesting because like, you know, building a company, starting it up, it's, uh, you learn a lot and uh, there's a lot of ups and downs. I'm actually oh, yeah. currently, I remember I told you guys off camera that I dropped out of school, mm -hmm. but I'm thinking of going back and getting an MBA just for the sake of filling in the knowledge gap that I may not have. We do have advisors, mentors, and all those things, but you know, it'd be really cool to see like a company like yours once, if, if that's even remotely possible, but like, uh, uh, like do stuff like that for the younger upcoming generation. Yeah. It'd be pretty interesting. So. Talk to me about investing. You told me you went through a couple rounds of uh, <laughs> investments. I think that's very interesting because a lot of our audiences are currently at the moment, younger generation, mm -hmm. people who are you know still trying to understand what needs to be done. So how does somebody go off and raise money? I know that's a very much some question, but uh, yeah, I, there, there's, I mean, there's crowdsourcing. I mean, there's all, there's, yeah, yeah. you know, there's all different ways to do it today. Um, I mean, I can just tell you from personal experience the way I've done it and, you know, what's been better than others. Um, so, you know, one way when I was 22 or 26, I started my first company and I just got an SBA loan. Um, got me started, got me everything I needed to, to start the business and that's how I funded that one. Um, and for anyone, you know, anyone that sits here and think, well, you know, how do you do that? What's, what's the process or whatever? Trust me, I knew none of that. None of that. Fortunately, I had a good attorney uh, and he kind of helped me through it. You didn't even have Google back then. At least now we have like stuff like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. You've got a lot more information. <laughs> yeah. You, all right. All right. Wait a minute. Whoa. <laughs> I'm just going right, to push back me, at He's this putting point. years on me here. <laughs> That's not what I meant, but I'm yeah, thinking like nowadays, yeah. nowadays you have so much access to so much technology. Back then it was like, like I'd hear stories about it. Like business was like Was different. your business plan with the typewriter? Yes, that was before the internet. <laughs> what else do you want me to say? <laughs> so, but, so yes, it's much easier today. And you can just go on the internet and, you know, yeah. you know, Google, you know, where you can get money today. So, so yes, it was harder back then, but it wasn't, but say the truth, I didn't find it that hard. Yeah. So the next time, uh, next company I had, uh, we did, uh, we went to VCs and we got funded. Um, all I would say there is pick your right partner. Pick the best partner you can because um, all VCs are not the same. You know, some are better than others. Some will work with you as opposed to trying to tell you, you know, what to do every second. So just make sure you're you're picking the right partner in a, in a venture capitalist. Hmm. I think that, we were given some advice at one point, I'll never forget, as I was picking the brain of a, pri a private equity owner and what to do next, building the company, self-funding it versus going after raising money. And she looked at me and said, 
if you have any shot in any way of focusing all of your time on the company and growing it so that you can self-fund it, pick that every single day of the week because the amount of time it takes to go raise the money Mm-hmm. And then to work with those partners who are giving the money and then all the board meetings and all the yes. information that's going to be in demands that's requested on you, that needs to be a large sum that you're going after that you cannot get on your own. Mm-hmm. And it was the most honest, straightforward advice that I was ever given is take the energy that you would have gone after, you would have used to go after the money and raise it and just focus on your business and build it organically, self-funded. Mm-hmm. But you guys went through three rounds. Well, that so the next one, which was serious, uh, we actually raised money. So we had a Series A and a Series B um, mm. rounds. So we, we mm-hmm. did, you know, we did raise capital. Um, but when Chris and I bought it, we just bought everybody out. We just paid cash for it. So that's how we we got started. We that didn't is- we didn't borrow any cash or we didn't have any partners going in on this one. Hmm. I see. I see. That's that's it's pretty intriguing because um, uh, a lot of people nowadays. I, I'll tell you this. I want to ask you a question. Do you think um, technology has created a? I'm gonna get some hate for this. A lazy era of entrepreneurs. You. Because I feel like people like you have more grit to do certain things because you have to go out there and get it. Versus nowadays, I just it's in the my fingertips. You know. And, I, and I've come to realize that with like the younger generation, I mean, some people are hustlers. They have the ambition, they have the want and needs, but some of them are very like, they expect things to come like that. Yes, because they see all these companies out there, you know, going to a billion dollars yeah, like and never never making a single profit. penny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's true. It's, I don't, I can't imagine how challenging it is to get an idea funded. And we do, we get a number of phone calls of, oh, hey, yeah. I want to hire an executive to help me go raise money. Okay, great. Are you at proof of concept stage? No. Okay, do you have a business plan? No. Where, where are you at with it? I've got this great idea. Okay, here's some, here's some resources. There's a lot, the understanding, because you see the glory of it, you see the success stories, and you don't often see, and we're not publicizing, what went into getting there. Sure. All the hours, all the funding, all the business plan, the pitch deck, everything that went in to get there. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know, lazy or, or disillusioned <laughs> as to, it is hard work growing not a company. Yeah, Entrepreneur, yeah. it is not for the weak. It's not easy, it's not easy. And nowadays it's like, uh, it's like a coined uh, term. I'm an entrepreneur, look at me, you know, it's like, yeah. Okay. Everybody's doing it. Yes. Yeah, everyone's doing yeah. it. And it kind of like, that's partially why we're interviewing people like you. Because it's like, okay, well, what actually happens behind the scenes? You know, behind closed doors. It's the, the old timers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, mean, I mean, you can, you can call them old timers. I mean, you can call them uh, the, the, uh, the, the kings of the throne or something like that. Let's, let's put a nice term to it. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. Yeah, no problem. I, I'm just going to let <laughs> you sink in better. this one. <laughs> I jumped in the wrong pool. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. So now Sirius Executive has been operating, you said, for quite a while now, 14 years, 15 years? We Well, since really since 2011, but all in all, yes, 14 yeah. years. And um, so you guys have been doing this for eight years now. So what has been the biggest shift ever since you guys took over hmm. internally? 
So the shift in our industry are all these platforms. Yeah. You've heard of Upwork and you know some yep. of the ones that are out there today. Um, that's what we saw coming about in staffing. You know, we're in we're in really under the heading of temporary staffing, but at the executive level. Um, so we're seeing more and more of that happen. Uh, started with Upwork, and now everybody's trying to do it. Some are successful, some are not. Um, but that's the biggest shift we saw. Um, everything else in this in our industry, it's so antiquated. They could do a whole lot more to be a lot better. So we're actually trying to, you know, we're trying to take things that maybe staffing doesn't do and incorporate it into our business because we can see, you know, again, the staffing industry as a whole just not, it's just not growing. It's just it's pretty much staying the same. And it and really it's dictated by is it a good employment time or is it bad employment time? We don't want to be we don't want to be regulated by that. We want to you know we just want to you know put it out there and and you know automate whatever we can, take care of clients so that no matter what the you know the economy is, is yeah, yes, economy, yeah. and and you know we've already proven it in in you know in bad times we're still good, our business still grows. In good times we still grow. So it's like in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, we were still growing. Mm -hmm. That's kind of when you guys. Uh... I know, as, as I was after before, yeah. We started in 2005 and then changed our model 2008. So you know we were growing 2008, 2009. I mean, it didn't stop us. Yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. That's cool. It's just the type of work shifts. So rather sure. than having interims in there to fill a temporary role or a big project, it shifted to I can't keep my full time CFO, but I still yes. need that help. I can afford one day someone one day a week. Hmm. So that fractional type of work really, I think 2008 drove a lot of that. So and you guys that, shifted your business model to kind of adapt to yes. the market crash in a sense. That's cool. Well, we, we pointed out certain things. Yeah. Like right now, you know, it's a big risk to hire an executive. I mean, it's always been a big risk, but it's becoming more so because uh, talent's getting harder and harder to find. So when you find an executive, you want to make sure that they're the right person. So the thing that we're really, you know, you know, talking a lot about out there is the whole, you know, <coughs> project to perm. Try before you buy, because you know you That's don't true. know what you're getting <laughs> until the person walks in there. I mean, uh, so there's so many clients that come up to me every day and go, I can't believe I just hired this great person, and during the interview he was wonderful, but it's three months later and he's not the same guy I hired. So. That story goes on and on and on with lots of companies today. So this takes the risk out of it. Now they can try before they buy or project. We put them on a project first, show them what the client, show the them what he can are. do. Yeah. Yep, well, and then the client. From an executive standpoint, once you get a company on your resume, how long you're there really matters. And if it's not a good fit, you don't want to leave after six months or a year, and you're staying in a job that you really don't want to be in because you're worried about how it will look on your resume, or is this going to fulfill me in this next role? Am I excited about it? Through the project, they're able to get to know the company. They're mm. able to really understand, is this company going in a direction that I can help them there for the longer, longer term, 18, 24 months, three years, what it's turned into, it works for them as well. So it's a win-win for both the yes. executive and the mm -hmm. client. That's cool. That's a very intriguing business model you guys have created. Yep. So culture, I know we wanted to hit a little bit on that because <laughs> you guys have a very interesting uh, way of doing business internally. 
So tell me a bit about how you guys have structured it and the uh, pros and cons that you guys have seen with that internal culture that you guys have created. Well, I'm going to look to Kristen because she's really built a lot of this culture. I mean, one thing I'll just preface it with is we have people that work for us all over the country. So it's not like they're all right here in Orange County where we can have them come into the office at any time. I mean, they're literally elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So it's been, we've found it's been very difficult to kind of tie people together, have them work well together, have them, um, you know, uh, collaborate and really help each other. But again, I think we've figured it out and Kristen's really done a nice job of, you know, putting, pulling that culture together. I don't know that it was purposeful. <laughs> I think initially it was, we bought the company, cash is king, how much money can I save? Oh, everyone's going to be virtual. <laughs> no, no physical office, we'll take off the rent. And then it started to become an attractor for talent. Yeah. In that individuals who are much more, especially as you're building a company, much more flexible on if they can have flexible schedule, they get to work virtually, they don't have to put the commute and driving into the equation of what they need from a salary standpoint. And that has gone, it has gone absolutely very well for us. We have such an amazing team to fulfill our core purpose, which is a fast, fun environment. Mm -hmm. It is. And they get it. And then we started to grow even more and adding more people. And you start to realize someone from the outside looking in going, you guys are, you guys are so tight knit. It's kind of tough for someone new to come in and especially not knowing all the personalities. So we started to see the challenges of, I know you better, Adam, just by watching your body language. Mm -hmm. I know now when you say something to me on the phone, how I should take it because mm -hmm. you've said it to me already face -to -face. here face to face. I've yeah. been able to watch your body language. I feel like I know mm -hmm. you quite a bit. Sure. Someone may work for a couple months in another state before actually meeting the team. And so their only communication is virtually. And most people are not the most comfortable with video conferences. So they mm. go to email or they go to phone call and it's <laughs> tough to read the body language and not understanding what did they mean by that? Mm -hmm. Should I take that, def should I be on the defensive with that? Mm -hmm. Or is that just their personality? <coughs> so being able to you know, choreograph or, we've never really gotten together much. So this year we've been working on getting together more and getting our team together. And picnics and outings. Out, and getting to know their families. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's like company events in a sense to get to know yes. everybody so that yeah. things mm -hmm. like that don't happen. And right putting them working more together rather than just working directly with, with Pam or me or with the one or two coworkers they're used to, how can we have them working more together even if they have very little to do with each other, put them on a project together. Oh. Do something together. Mm. That works beautifully. Yeah. Cross train okay. each other. You learn each other's roles so that you understand the perspective of how challenging each other's jobs are and you don't take things for granted as much so it's it's quite a bit more work than i would expect as well we're all just one big happy family right you're you're happy in your home office we've it's had to take like, that into account it's also the energy you guys bring in like you guys both of you guys have very welcoming kind of vibes to you so it's like just because like it all starts from the top you know and the top two are very welcoming very like you know family oriented as i can tell so I'm sure it kind of rubs off to everybody under. So 
I, I bet you guys are on the road a lot then if you guys are like all over the, the, the country. Do you guys travel a lot? All over the world. Um, yeah, I travel internationally because we also sell in, internationally. So okay. if I get a job, I, we belong to an international alliance. So if I have a job in France, I just send it over to my French partner. And if he has, he has a job in the United States, he sends the business over to me. So it's a great alliance because as we all know labor laws, every, obviously every state here in the United States and Canada uh, is, is different. Well, just imagine if you had to know what the labor laws were in every country around the world. So I avoid that and I just, you know, like I said, I belong to this alliance. And so twice a year I go traveling. Um, we, we hold a, a gathering just kind of like we do inside our company, same thing, the premise here, we wanna make sure we know each other, that we have time together, we, we collaborate well, so that if somebody has a job, they can you know, send it over to you, trusting that you will take very good care of their client. So it's a, it's a great relationship. All around the world, huh? What's your favorite place to visit? Well, I'm going to one of my most favorite, which is um, Stockholm. Okay. And then the next one, which is next year, uh, next spring, is going to be to Zurich, and that's my other favorite. So nice. Both awesome that's countries. Awesome. Yeah. That's I just great. got back from China, and so, I've yeah, been to China once. That's yeah. an interesting place. It is a very very interesting, interesting place. place. Yeah. yeah, I visited it, and I was like, I don't know if I want to come back here. But <laughs> <laughs> for business or fun? It was business. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, it was. The, I went to the industrial area, so it wasn't okay. really. I went to Shanghai. Yep. That was cool. That's where I was. Yeah. It's a very rich area. Very. Yeah. It's like you go from like the industrial section of China and you go to Shanghai. It's like two worlds in one country. Yep. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> so we're going to wrap this up. I just have one last uh, question I want to talk about, which is time management. You guys like have a lot on your plate, I'm sure. <laughs> so what's kind of like a couple of pieces of advice you'd give to the listeners that are watching or listening right now on how to manage your time efficiently? You tell me. Okay, so <laughs> all right. I, I'm still working on this. I, I can I can tell you that you know I have priorities every day. So at night I look at okay, so what do I have to get done? Absolutely have to get done tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Those gone on a list, and that's my goal. If I finish all those, great. If there's other things that I add to the list and I get those done, okay. But you know at least I got those priorities done. So that's how I keep organized. Now, does it keep everything <laughs> at the top? If I kept everything at the top, I would never get things done. So everyone's probably Christian goes, did you see this? Yes, but you know, it was, <laughs> it was kind of down here. <laughs> it just came in an hour ago. Give me a break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so it's, um, but yes, that's how I stay organized. So what about like um, work-life balance? Does that exist? You are asking the wrong, wrong person. Let's talk about project management, time management. I'm much better at that one, Adam. Let's go back to Come on. time management. I, I look at the advice I always give is look at everything as a project. There's a beginning and an end. What part of it can no one else in your company do? No one that you could hire to do it. You do that, and then you put it onto the next person, and they're just continuing the project, and you manage it like a project, you know, micromanage, but look at it, and then start with, what on my plate on this list is going to grow this business? Hmm. Every single day, what on my list is going to grow this business? I'm gonna start there. Because if that goes to the bottom every single day, we're not going anywhere. Hmm. Work-life balance? 
I'm married to a Marine who's deployed for a year and have a six-year-old son. There is no balance. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and you're like she does working really, all the time. Really good juggling. Yeah. Uh, how do you? Yeah. So, so that you're the perfect person to ask that. I, How do you exactly, manage? <laughs> exactly. I again. I need to sign up for a workshop, or I need. I need an accountability partner. Um, it's it's really difficult to think to prioritize there and where are you in your priority list. And I absolutely know I need to take care of myself first before I can take care of the company and take care of my family. Yep. I've got post-it notes reminding myself to take care of myself, and it just doesn't happen. So I again. You'll get there. Okay, <laughs> so so okay, so I've been through that. I mean, yeah. I I I mean, my first two companies, I was just you know, I was a mess because you know, friends didn't see me, family didn't see me. It was awful. So with this one, I made a de- I just made a decision. I wasn't going to do that. So everything goes on my calendar. If it's you know, if it's um, exercise, that's on my calendar. If it's dinner with friends, it's on my calendar. If it's you know. Everything I do goes on account. Now, exercise, I don't put on my calendar anymore because I know I'm going to do it every morning. But literally everything that I'm, you know, I'm afraid is going to get, you know, pushed aside, it goes on my calendar because what I used to do, and I, I know there's a lot of people that can relate to this, no, I, I'm not going to be able to make that today. Or no, can we just change the date, you know, for dinner, you know, two weeks from now because I, I just really can't make it because I got to work late. Mm-hmm. Those were great excuses that I used to have. Terrible excuses, really. But I mean, that's the excuses I had. And family and friends were getting really put off by it. Put off to the side, yeah. Yeah, so now they come first because they're on my calendar. They're just like an appointment. Mm. You treat everything like it's your business, yep. in a sense. And it's, that's a terrible way to think about it. <laughs> really. I mean, but yes, when you, are, you, you run a correct. company, it just kind of becomes your baby. So it's like, it, it is, yeah. Like as, as sad or as messed up as it may sound, it's the reality behind it. You know, like for me, like this is, this is like my, I guess my first official run. Mm-hmm. Um, and same thing, I don't see friends. I, I barely, like the only time I get to hang out, I go to the gym every day. Mm-hmm. So I tell my friends, you want to see me? Come to the gym. <laughs> we'll work out together. We'll go play basketball. We'll have some fun. Enjoy a couple hours together, and that's it. Maybe like once every two weeks, I may have like a Sunday free that I go out and uh, have some dinner. Yeah, but it's tough. It's tough. So that's why I'm like, it's like, uh, I feel like for me, it's like what I've come to my conclusion so far is that uh, there's no such thing as a work-life balance. You kind of just do what you have to do when you have to do it. That's it. Like if you have to be at work, you have to be at work. If you're gonna be at home, be at home. But like do that thing and don't allow distractions to get in your way. Yeah. Like I feel like the main key thing that I'm still struggling with is when I'm with my family, stop thinking of work. Like it's always like, it just never ends, you yes. know? Yeah. But being present. is huge. It's huge. Where you're at and what you're doing, it, it's more challenging than, <laughs> than you might think. It's and not, do you get into a problem where like you head. go home and all of a sudden that's when the good ideas come to life? Yeah, like I'd be sitting on the dinner table. I see my table. notes on my phone. <laughs> yeah. I'd be sitting on the it's dinner true. table and I'd be like, oh, I like, oh, I'm not at work. I can't do it. Or oh, somebody God. says something that, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that triggers something and you're like, why is this happening here? Why can't I be at the office and my creativity be at the max that it is today? Because you're not as stressed. And yes, that's, that's a, right. I, everyone's hmm. telling me. You are most creative, your mind is working best, and you come up with the best ideas 
when you're not stressed, when you're calm, which is your family, they're your muse. To where that's where your mind can adjust and open it up rather than focusing and stressing and everything that needs to be done at work or what didn't go the right way or what client you just lost. It's really difficult to be creative in that environment. That's an interesting perspective. And I got to tell you, it works because every Saturday I go hiking. And literally, you know, I, I'm, I'm just kind of enjoying the environment and the scenery and seeing people I know. And I mean, I just, it's just awesome. But I get so many ideas. I'm, I'm sitting there going, ooh, ooh, I need to check that out. Fortunately, on my phone, I have this voice. Oh, you just like put I it just, on. Yeah. yeah, I just, you know, record it. But I got to tell you, I, because I'm rested, I'm, I'm enjoying the present. I'm not thinking about work. And some of these problems that I've had at work, I, I can't figure out, you know, day after day after day. Then Saturday comes. Oh, yes, that's what I should do on that. Yeah. She's like, maybe I just need to take a day off in the middle of the week. <laughs> yeah. You know, honestly, I started, my notes are like pretty crazy on my phone. The only thing is that I've realized is like, at least for me, it's like I take the notes, I get the idea, I go to work and sometimes forget. Oh, because yeah, then the stress yeah. kicks back in, and I'm just yeah. like, "Wait, what was I trying to think about?" Like, I'd be sitting in a meeting with my team, and I'd be like, "Guys, I had an idea. I just don't remember what it was." And well, at least like, you have it recorded somewhere. Yeah, it's there on my notes. Yeah. I always like I give myself some time to always look at it because if I ever feel yeah. confused, I'm like, "Okay, note time. Yeah. What's on here?" But yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah. I never thought of it like that. So yeah. I wonder if I'm gonna start trying to implement that while working. Give and myself that's proven, time. by the way. That's yeah. a proven fact. I had no idea. I didn't correlate that. Like, I was just like, why is this happening? Like, literally yesterday, I left work kind of like a, you know, one of those weird days. Yeah. I got to the gym, and all of a sudden, I'm like, my, my, my mind started, like, running at 100 miles an hour with all these ideas. And I'm like, why doesn't this happen when I'm <laughs> sitting where it matters? Because you're relaxed. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. All righty. Thank you so much both for being on the podcast. It's been our yeah. pleasure. Yeah, it's, this was fun. You this were was... brave taking on both of us. Yes, you, you were. Did good at Come <laughs> on, you guys are amazing together. I love you guys' energy. I love what you guys have to offer. And I, thank you. And I definitely uh, look forward to learning more about what you guys do. So thank you so much. Thanks, Adam. Yeah.